Press presents a poetry reading on Friday, February 3rd at 7 p.m. at Studio One, 365 45th Street in Oakland. Featured poets are Rosa Lane and Nina Lindsay. For details, call 415-273-1303. The Community Calendar is produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Send your listing at least four weeks in advance to KPFA, Box 51, 1929 Martin Luther King Jr. Way in Berkeley, California, 94704. Or email us at calendar at kpfa.org. Tell us if your event is wheelchair accessible. To hear this calendar again, call 510-848-6767, extension 621. This calendar is also online at K. Good evening and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by members of KPFA's First Voice Apprenticeship Program. And remember, you can still sign up to be an apprentice by visiting our webpage at kpfaapprentice.org. On tonight's show, we will talk about the game of Loteria and its meaning in the Latino community. We will also introduce you to a brand new variation on traditional loteria called Malditoria. And we're going to introduce you to the creators of this new creative game. That's tonight on Full Circle. We are your hosts. I'm Silvia Torres. And I am David Lagran. Stay, Stay with, with us. us. Welcome back to Full Circle and on 94.1 FM KPFA. Yes, and buenas noches. As a child, games and playtime were the cornerstone of my day. From simple toys like dreidels, jacks, marbles and sticks, to Monopoly and other card games. As an adult, I find the child in me has not gone anywhere. And when I play a game, it's like I'm being transported back to a personal neverland. Games can be entertaining pastimes or can even be educational fun. A game that we want to talk to you about or introduce you to is Loteria, a game like bingo. We Lo Loteria is a game of random fortune, right? It's been played as a pastime for many, many, many Generations, I guess you can say it's been like a hundred years. I think this yes. game has been around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's been played, you know, recreationally at fairgrounds, at church functions, family gatherings. You know, you can find this uh, game pretty much anywhere you go. You go to a restaurant, you'll see some images on the walls, you know, things like that. Um, Loteria is a game that is played much like bingo, except that instead of correlating numbers and letters, you're matching images called from a deck of cards with 54 different images. And like bingo, 
you receive a tablet with four rows and columns, each with images corresponding to the deck, and an announcer pulls a card from the deck, and when you have a match, you place a bean on the images. A bean or a token or coins or whatever, what have you. Uh, you get four in a row and you win. Be it you know four across, four down, diagonal, corners, etc. According to an extension of the print literary magazine, AGNI Online, the Loteria or Lottery originated in Italy in the 15th century and was brought to what was then called New Spain, Mexico, in 1769. In the beginning, the lottery was a hobby of the upper classes, played by the likes of Hernán Cortés, but eventually became a traditional at Mexican fairs with gifts and prizes for the winners. Well, the most recognized version of Loteria is the Don Clemente Gallo rendition. Introduced in Mexico in 1887 by the French businessman Don Clemente Jacques, who ran a prosperous canned food and ammunition business at the time of the Mexican Revolution. He decided to attach a small Loteria board to his products so the people in the Revolución could just pass the time. Now, the current images have become iconic in Mexican culture as well as gaining popularity in the U.S. From all the way from Oregon to Texas... And some European countries and Japan, I've heard. And here to talk with us about it is a special friend. Yes, yes, David. We have with us in the studio Pedro Reyes, producer for La Onda Bajita and former event coordinator of the Mission Cultural Center in San Francisco. We will hear how the game was affected, has affected the culture from Mexico to the United States and beyond. Welcome, Buenas noches. Pedro. Gracias. Thank you for having me here. And, uh, you know, it's really cool to be talking about Loteria on the airwaves. It uh, brings back childhood memories for sure, you know. So thank you for having me and being able to be a part of this conversation. Thank you for joining us, Pedro. Absolutely. Este, now, when I remember, like, growing up, right, um, growing up and playing, and playing this game, I want to first ask you, Silvia. Did you ever play the game Loteria? Oh, yes, Pedro. As a child, you know, it was a different generation and a different time and a different culture. And at that time, we didn't have video games. And as a matter of fact, I didn't, in my house, we didn't have a TV until what I was in high school. So we spent a lot of time playing board games. <laughs> I remember making paper dolls, and one of my brothers would design the clothes and playing. So it was a lot of fun. It was actually good quality time spent with the family. And one of our favorite games was Loteria. And wh where did you grow up? I grew up in Puerto Rico. And um, those were very um, challenging times. You know, we have a lot of challenging times ahead of us. But during my, when I was growing up, you know, there was not a lot of things available so we okay. have to create our own games and we have to play a lot of board games. And Loteria was one of our favorite. You know, that's really interesting because, um, you know, I don't. I think of Loteria as being like solely like a Mexican game. But when, when um, this last year, when I went down to Guatemala to visit my dad, right, um, I found out that he knew all kinds of really cool commentaries and, 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 and the riddles that are associated with the game. Uh, they were playing it in, in Guatemala at the, at the fairs. You know, um, it, it was just really, it was really interesting to me like that. Well, you know, David, let me tell you something that people get very creative, creative in saying some of the sayings and they make stories and 
people use their imagination and it's it's a very very good game to stimulate imagination as well as other aspects that we will be talking about later on mm -hmm. how about you pedro where'd you grow up at Oh, well, I'm originally from El Salvador. Uh, my origins are from out there. And, uh, you know, out there we also played Loteria uh, during the war times. Uh, basically, if you didn't have the images, you would kind of create your own Loteria. And like you're saying, David, uh, we played it with a lot of frijoles. And basically, it also had this effect of, like, uh, t telling us a little bit about class issues, you know, because, again, uh, there was people that actually played with money and were able to gamble on these kinds of uh, games as well and make a lot of money. But at the same time, people who didn't have money would earn beans, and beans would be kind of like... Uh, the dinner next day, so to speak, right? Uh, you kind of uh, won your dinner for the for the night, so to speak, right? So I have heard so about that, in, like in definitely in some of the fairs too. Like they would, um, the, some of the prizes would be, let's say, like some rations. You know, you would you would you would earn earn yourself a, an extra ration for the day and, and stuff like that. So yes. that's really that's really interesting. But this goes also just to point out that this goes back to when our ancestors, uh, the Aztecs and the Mayans, used to use uh, peanuts, you know, for money, uh, and basically were uh, able to exchange peanuts for peanuts and be able to uh, trade in for different goods and be able to give their families and community uh, various different kinds of goods for them to be able to share as well, you know. So. So uh, it actually goes back beyond because, again, we're talking about Loteria, like how much how much can you be able to connect the dots and then at the same time be able to make, uh, whether it's all the beans for yourself, right, or the family, right? Uh -huh. Well, you know, it's a game that is, like I said, it requires a lot of imagination and a lot of improvisation. So where the need is, that's where people are going to giveaway is what people are going to be um, betting for so I I guess when the upper classes start using it that's when they introduce the money into it but mm -hmm. as people played in different countries what was the basic need that they needed food so perhaps in other countries they use the gallinita and they will exchange the gallinitas and the huevitos for the mm -hmm. winning and, you know, I definitely I want to talk to you a little bit more about the about the the, the, the class you know um, aspect to this and the, the all these different extra aspects. But before we do that, I want I want to know both of you are, are teachers, right? I, I, I recently learned this. And um, how have you used the game of loteria in your schools? Well, you know, David, loteria is one of my students' favorite games, and it's very good because it builds community. And I just want to piggyback with. What Pedro was saying, that it was played during the war because, you know, people um, can forget, can forget their needs, can forget what's going on. And for my students, we have a curriculum and sometimes it's not as appealing as a game for my students. But if you can use it as uh, educational tools, so it you're you're fulfilling two goals. So in my classroom, I use it as community building among my students at the beginning of the year. And I also, you know, the colorful images are visually stimulating and they reinforce one of the concepts that I'm teaching them, that the pictures and the words correlate. So those are one of the skills that my students need to learn. Um, so when we're playing it, 
when a student wins, they have to go back and read to me the um, the, the images that w you know help them win the game. So that's reinforcing. One of the uh, uh, kids' early books are full of images, and that's to help them decode what's happening, what's happening in the story, what's happening in the book. So mm -hmm. those images are very colorful, so people really like them. They're very engaging. Talking and about some of these images, like uh, we got images like, you know, like, like uh, the tree, el árbol, right? El pájaro, the bird. There's this el sol, the sun. El mundo. And then you can you can say, you can not only say the word, but you can say el la cobija o el la cubierta de los pobres. So there's a say that is attached to it that is also very appealing to the kids and they learn them. And um, another way that I use them is to reinforce oral language because I'm teaching students that are learning Spanish and Spanish is not their first language. Mm -hmm. So whenever I pull an image, I read the word and the kids have to repeat it. And if I say a saying, they repeat the same. So they are there's a lot of concept that can be reinforced mm -hmm. with you know that reminds me of that book um este uh, playing la loteria by rené colato lainez uh, oh. you guys familiar with that yes, book yes i am uh, pedro I, have you ever used it in your in your classes um well basically loteria is for like basically again language development like uh, sylvia's saying and then at the same time it's the concept of social justice because we're talking about images that go beyond the natural the natural world you know and thinking critically beyond what the norms are in our in our in our society you know so uh what i do is i i try to implement loteria in a way that's Showing the kids, for example, how to write a story uh, with three different characters or four and then be able to apply that to uh, the beginning, middle and ending, you know, so to speak. Right. So they can take any of these characters and be able to develop a story with even the whole, uh, you know, carta que te dan with all the characters on it, you know. So oh, that's a wonderful idea. That's a very good And it goes back to popular it. education, you know, um, basically the foundation is because of like, for example, you know, during the times of uh, peasants and when we had the conquistadores, uh, indígena folks couldn't learn how to read. They weren't able to, uh, you know, go to school and uh, work at the same time and work, you know, colonized that way in that sense. And then to decolonize, they began to teach them themselves how to read, but just by saying words in Spanish, uh, because we had to learn Spanish. And, you know, as you can see in Mexico, todavía hablan indígena in Spanish is not the primary language still, right? So yeah. uh, uh, folks are still learning how to speak Spanish till this day. Yeah, you know, so some of these cards, like you mentioned already, have a deep cultural like connotation, right? Like, what do you think about certain cards? Like when you when you when you look at a card like let's say um, El Catrin, right, which is the, the dandy, or El Apache, right, the, the the Indian, or even El Negrito. Like, what do you think? What do you think it says about the current culture? Again, that's what we're talking about is that colonization and how to decolonize and remember that we all come from the same roots and basically the same oppression, uh, the same colonization that has been here for 500 years uh, that has taken us into this generation where we are kind of like uh, to this point where we have to decolonize the mind, you know, and teach kids. Uh, these root words that go beyond, you know, uh, what you see on the mainstream media. Okay. You know, listening to you, Pedro, 
makes me remember reminds me of a saying and I still cannot remember who said it but we were part of a group that went to El Salvador and in one of our courses they say that people learn how to learn to read the word before they read words that means that people Paulo Freire Ah, uh, Freddy was the one who said it. I, did, I didn't want to say who, you know, because I, but people learn how to read the word, the world, before they learn to read the word. That's right. And things have to be concrete and they have to be, and for some, some of these images, people can identify with them. Sometimes they don't, but it's a, it's a very good way of teaching them to read the wor world. That's right, you know, and like you're saying, David, uh, you know, El Apache versus El Catrin is a concept of colonization where El Catrin is all dressed up in a suit uh, like the old days back in the Western days almost, uh, you know, and then you also have, you know, the Apache who's dressed up still in his garment of his indigenous traditions, you know, and so it really shows the division of colonization and how it happens as well. So that way it was kind of like a tool to teach kids you know hey this is who's colonizing you this is who your ancestors are you know so remember that and by having like these different these different images right and uh we you know we still played as a pastime because loteria is a game i'm, I'm going to pull out anytime i have a party este um but when we're playing these games um are we actually perpetuating the the stereotypes by playing the game is it Well, I think in, in one way, I would say, you know, uh, what you're doing is you're, one, teaching them how to use uh, critical thinking versus like, you know, do you want to be El Catrin? And this is this is who the Catrin is in society, you know. Uh, you're teaching them this is who your ancestors were uh, without really having to go into detail of what happened in colonization. And you go into the detail of the garments. You go into the detail of why the sun, the earth, and the moon are so important in this Loteria, for example, you know. So it actually goes beyond uh, this kind of, uh, you know, thinking of just... A person that's rich and poor, so it goes beyond that, you know. Because mm -hmm. when you, when I'm, you know, when you're looking at all the different images, you know, in in the entire game, there's 54 different images, and they really represent the the culture. Yeah, the, there's el borracho, la dama, but all, all these images, like w once you finish playing the game, I feel like you understand uh, principally the the Mexican culture, just from 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 the beginning, from its inception to its end. You know, the different food you eat. Um, you know, based on the, the different riddles, the different, like, uh, just context, uh, the way the way you dance, the way you love, the way you le learn, you know, to be with the community. Uh, this game kind of encapsulates all that. And like Pedro is mentioning, it, you can teach critical thinking with this imagery. You know, it's, you don't, and that's why it depends also where the loterias play, because there was a time that they have images of the churches and they were using it to uh, teach the church culture to people who were going to be working there. So there, there there's a different uh, variation. There's one that is like about all about Dia de los Muertos. And you're teaching culture uh, through these images. But at the same time, you're teaching them the critical thinking that has to go with whatever you read. You have to be able to understand. You know, we do... Oh. 
We do it. We do we do an exercise called Photo Voz, and basically we put out a bunch of pictures and uh, have people walk around, uh, and they choose a picture that they can relate to, uh, that they feel like they connect to this picture, and what they do is they write a story about an experience that they've gone through in this sense of the picture that they picked up. So it's kind of like Photo Voz, where mm-hmm. you can... You can relate to a picture, for example, a borracho. We were just mentioning that your father might be a borracho, mm-hmm. you know, and you can talk about a story about a borracho, uh, not necessarily pointing out to your father. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like in my classroom, I have kids bring pictures from home. So that's also a tool, you know, to bring back memories, to remember, to be able to write about that experience. So like when Pedro said that he uses to develop stories it's a wonderful tour in that sense. Well, Pedro, it's been it's been awesome He's sitting here talking to you Thank a little you. bit about, about the history of Loteria and about some of the, the social implications about it. I hope we can continue this conversation and I you know in, with all your students and Silvia también with your students too. It's been Thank a lot you. of fun. Most definitely. Thank you. We're gonna jump on to a to a musical break and this is a little a little groovy sounds from Peru. Check it out.
ya se ha muerto mi abuelo by Juanu, Juaneco y su combo. We would like to give a big thanks to our special guest, Pedro Reyes. Don't forget to listen to La Onda Bajita, which is next, and you will be able to continue listening to some of the wonderful programs that we have at KPFA. That's right. And welcome back to Full Circle here on 94.1 KPFA. Up next on our next segment, imagine if you will a game that plays like bingo and reads like an oracle. A game that is both entertaining and educational, a real conversation starter, full of historical and cultural context that spans the globe. A game that can be divisive and healing at the same time. This revolutionary card game is called Malditoria, and we have the creators of this game in studio tonight to fill us in on what it's all about. Welcome in, gentlemen. Hello, this is uh, Daniel Wayne Lugo, um, better known as El Maldito, the creator of Malditoria. How are you doing tonight? My name is Omar. I am El Travieso, the graphic designer of this game. Welcome. Welcome to Full Circle. Awesome. So, uh, beginning beginning here with uh, with you, sir. Yes. Uh, earlier in the program, uh, and by the way, we're talking to Daniel, Daniel Wayne Lugo here. <laughs> Earlier in the program, we talked about where we grew up and how we played Loteria uh, yeah. with, with our family. Um, what has been your personal experience growing up with Loteria? So, to time travel back to when I was an adolescent, um, I grew up in a mixed household. Um, my father's side of the family, they're specifically from Mexico, um, Yaqui Mexicano. And my mother's side of the family, they're Caucasian. And I wasn't allowed to play Loteria um, around my Mexicano family. I was like ostracized, like the little huerito mestizo. Um, and when I finally got old enough to play, they kind of like, you're like, okay, you're ready to do this. Um, I just started to dive into it. I, I loved all the cards, the imagery, the archetypes. But at the same time, I saw the social, the social constructs and how they related to just stereotypes and, and stigmas and things that we saw in our community. Cards like El Borracho, El Negrito, um, Sirena, um, El Valiente, things that deal with um, all these different uh, feelings and sentiments that just resonate through us and for me I wanted to create a game that wasn't just going to recreate Loteria there's a lot of games like that that are out there their own interpretation I wanted to create something that was going to be fresh and I wanted to do something that was going to be contemporary something that was going to deal with what we understand as post-colonial and pre-colonial topics and subject matter so um, you go by the artistic name of El Maldito yes why El Maldito El Maldito is kind of like your, your gatekeeper into the world of debauchery. And it's based on my own personal experiences as a human being, as an artist. But um, in these dark places of what we understand in the human experience, there's a lot of light there. And you can teach people about what's going on. And in the present day, we're experiencing a lot of turmoil, whether this is like a political, spiritual aspect of things. We're dealing with the, the Trump inauguration that just kicked off. And there's a lot of things that we have to explore. So it is my job and my responsibility as an artist to take you into those dark places and to show you the norms and the reality and a lot of the, the beautiful things you can learn from it. Hmm. So is that is that where the origin of Maldito, Malditoria starts then? It starts it starts with you? Or gave us give me a little bit more about the origin of, of your game Malditoria. It definitely starts with me on a personal level as Daniel, but at the same time as Maldito, as the character, as the artist. And um, when we combine Loteria and Maldito, we get Malditoria, which is defined as your cursed chance. And that is um, the conundrum, the gamble 
of of the debauchery of these of these ups and downs, as negatives and positives of what we understand as good and bad in the human experience. And this can be looked at as through this cultural context, Mexicano, Chicano, Latino, but at the same time universally through the human experience. And it's all a combination of my personal experiences that I can relate to every card that I've created, as well as working with Travieso and all the other people that have been a part of this project. But it just goes deeper into um, being a human being and some of the things that we really, really, really have to start focusing on. Well, Daniel, I'm very curious about um, why um, you feel compelled to start this new version of Loteria. I know that there have been many versions. There have been Star Wars, the Ade los Muertos, Hello Kitty. <laughs> yes. Why will somebody would like or want to buy or play your version of the game? I think you can. I think anyone from this nostalgic point of view of being like a Mexicano, a Chicano, Latino um, can relate to this. But at the same time, I knew playing this game that this went deeper. When you had cards like El Borracho, it went deeper. When you had cards like Serena, it went it went deeper. These things, you you saw these things come to life. So I wanted to create something that was going to be contemporary. I wanted to point out stereotypes that are inspired by the things that we saw in Loteria. And like you said, it goes back hundreds of years. This is like post-colonial at its finest. And it's it's in your face, so we wanted to go a little bit more in your face and kick it right there, kick kick the front door in, and, and allow you to walk through all these different things. Scare you? Uh, to scare you for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we get into all the different contexts, because I really want to get into all the all all, all of these different um, yeah. cards and images and stereotypes and archetypes and all that. But before we get into that, tell me a little bit more about the creation of the game. You know, we ha we have uh, we have El Travieso here in the in the studio. Which uh, what does that what does that mean? And uh, and what was your role in the in the development of the game? Uh, El Travieso is essentially the mischievous one, as we like to refer to uh, refer to troublemaker. Yeah, yeah, the one that's always in something, the one that's always doing something that is not is kind of frowned upon here and there, uh, almost like child child type actions. Um, immaturity level very poor. Anyways, my my role was, uh, I don't know, a vast majority of things. Like, I was involved when we were discussing like how to play the game. When we were thinking about what should what should the next image be, I, we were just tossing around ideas. We never really sat down and solidified as to like, you know what, you're just this one thing. What I do want to point out is that I did do the graphics. Like that was my main. At the end of it all, it was always going to go back to that. Always finish that, you know? Uh, I forgot what the rest of your question was. Yeah, just, well, well, like, to piggyback on what you're saying is that for me, like, Travieso Omar, like, was is, is focal to this to this project because he created personalities from these cards. I created the concepts, I created all the stories and different things that I wanted to talk about, the images, the illustrations, but he took those through the digital graphic process and created um, the personality and colors and textures and aesthetics that really sparkle with these cards and that really speak to you. And I think that's what was really instrumental about his role in this game. Well, you know, I was looking at the... Um Images that you brought in, yeah, yeah. and there are pieces. I was looking at them and I said, oh my God, they are just like, each one is like an art piece. That was something that we discussed a lot, uh, um, Omar, was that making sure every image can stand on its own. And we've done small pop-ups and exhibits on this. And our, um, our goal is to be able to take this and create large exhibits um, soon. Um, we are acquiring funding and whatnot. But yeah, every, every card is like definitely its own little story and gateway to the, but it's all connected to the bigger aspect of what Malitoria really is. That was, that was one of the biggest 
missions or goals of mine as a graphic designer was much more than just um, tracing and throwing color in there and finishing the image just to finish it. It was developing a personality. It was being able to give the card what it needed to be able to contribute itself to the game as it needed. You know what I mean? Like, you can't... Mm -hmm. I couldn't leave it halfway. Like, it was just... You have to think about what colors work, what colors don't, what make it pop. Like, some images just need black and white. Other images need something dark. Other images need something that's going to make you feel nostalgic or something that feels like it's flourishing. So it's a mixture of things. But at the end of it all, we did want, like you said, we wanted to make every single car its own art piece. And not only that, not only they are an art piece, but they also tell their own story. Yeah, Each exactly. one, it's a story on its own. You know, I, I, I did notice that, and um, I, commend, I commend both of you for all the awesome artwork that's, that's within these, um, Thank you. these cards. Uh, I noticed that the, your version of the game is not a facsimile copy in, in that, you know, you don't even use a majority of the more common images, like, uh, like el arbol, or, which is a tree, or the pájaro, which is the bird. Um, so what, what topics, you know, do these cards touch on that are not in the standard Loteria deck? Oh, it's about to go down right now. I have, I have, I have the deck in my hand, so I'm just going to start. I'm going to start throwing out the, the cards, and um, hopefully the, the listeners um, can get a, a better, a better understanding of this. So we have narcotraficantes dealing with drug, uh, drug trafficking. El Huero, white privilege. We have uh, cards like Travieso, which is his card, the troublemaker, dealing with uh, misguided youth. Um, um, a, a card that deals with LGBTQ. I don't want to say the name. It's a little vulgar. And a lot of these cards deal with uh, a vulgarity to them. So, you know, I got to be a little bit more PC about this. Vato local dealing with choloism and, and that lifestyle, specific cultural experience. El Mestizo with race. La Migra deals with immigration issues. Uh, El Mariachi, extension of music. Um, Los Gallos, the exploitation of animals, cockfighting, things like that. El Padre deals with spirituality, um, colonialism, spiritual colonialism, those shackles. La Frontera, obviously, we're talking about the wall with Trump. Las Banderas, nationalism. Um, talking about paisas, brotherhood, but at the same time, it's also a large stereotype, a negative connotation. El Cucuy, something that we all, most of us have experienced, folklore. Las Placas, police brutality. So the, the list goes on. It's, 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 a, it's a large... Uh, a large, vast amount of, of cards that just deal with everything from sex traffic and exploitation of women. But at the same time, what we're trying to do is create a story that's going to be able to bring it all together to um, talk about solidarity and build into the human experience of Rasa. That's right. That's right. So 54, 54 cards and 54 different stories encapsulated in these cards. After this uh, small musical break here, we're going to get back into uh, what... All, we're going to actually just dive into this rabbit hole and get and get further <laughs> into Malditoria. Nice. This is a nice little song for y'all. Colombiana, donde nacen estos ritmos ardientes, ahí bailar el porro, bailar una cumbia, a mí lo mismo me da, ahí bailar el porro, 
tierra tropical, en la costa de mi tierra tropical. FM KPFA Radio. This is Full Circle, and we are speaking with Maldito. You just heard El Porro. Es es hermano de la cumbia by El Polo Combo. El Foli Combo. combo. Mm -hmm. Maldito, do you like cumbia? I love cumbia, man. I was just dancing in some last night. (laughs) That's awesome. um, Maldito, you're you're, um, racially... Right? Or let's say yeah. so-called racially, you're uh-huh. you're you're um you're what? I'm. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, I like to say that I'm a mestizo. Like that's a blend of things. It's a mixture of things. But I mean, I guess I class. I've always classified as being like a Latino. Um, it's definitely being like a Chicano. Um, I grew up around majority of my Chicano family, but I can't deny the fact that I, I am um, half Caucasian too. So it's 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 really hard to. It's I think as a mixed person, you can't you can't choose. I I, you know? I, I agree with that. I, I'm I'm mixed myself. Yeah. You know, it's it's a mixed bag. I think we're all pretty mixed as 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 a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, but also like um, I, I I saw on one of your cards a a particular um. A particular rendition of a, of an old classic word, right? S P I C. Oh yeah. Um, so I I know that this this is a very very you know the word has been thrown around here and there. But tell me, what is your particular version on this on this word? What's your so if anyone's familiar with um, SPIC, a little historical background, it, it's, a, it's a familiar word for a lot of Latinos. It's a racially charged word um, pushed by white supremacists um, onto Latinos. And I created an acronym for it to, to give a, just a rendition to take something that's so negative and create some kind of something positive out of it. So the first letter is S, we create soulful. Second letter is P, powerful. 
Next letter is I, intellectual, and the last letter is C, creation. So you get a soulful, powerful, intellectual creation. Mm. I like that. I like and, it too. And that was a, so that's a, a, re, a reappropriation of a of a very negative word, yeah. and um, and 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 we make it something nice. That's part of uh, one of our cards, La Pomada, the Tres Flores. We call it Tres Vatos, and on the on the label it says uh, SPIC, soulful, powerful, intellectual creation. When you wear the pomada, no racist tongue can harm you. Because you have this kind of uh, barrier that stops people from taking your identity. Okay, all right. But w w when when you walk around though, if you know, if you if you were to if you were to say this, just you know, on on the street, you're playing your game, and uh, and this word comes up, I imagine somebody's gonna get offended. And so, who have you played this game with? And like, how how PC do you have to keep this game when you're playing it with people? So myself and Omar and other individuals who have helped in this project, we've played this game with uh, different communities and specifically communities of color. And there's been a lot of uh, a lot of charged emotions, a lot of anger, a lot of tears, a lot of sorrow. But that's one of our, our mission statements is to let this affect you. If tears happen, let them come. If anger comes, that's what it is. Um, I think for the most part, being politically correct is important to this game, obviously on a historical and factual level. But at the same time, you also need to keep in consideration that... Um, The world is vast. People are vast, and not everything needs to be politically correct. Not every you don't have to be PC to play this game. Um, if if there's something that's vulgar about it, it's going to be vulgar because it has its purpose. It's teaching you something. It's only it's, it's as politically it's as politically correct as it as anybody wants it to be. You you mentioned uh, you you mentioned the mission statement. Um, what what is the mission statement? One of the things we say about Malditoria is um, this game is not for everyone, but it's for anyone. It's um, It's a tool, it's a platform for people that want to explore themselves through this specific cultural context to be able to find a better understanding of who they are culturally, socially, and universally through the, the understanding of being a human being. And that is one of our, our main mission statements. This is not exclusive just to Latinos and Mexicanos. Um, this is inclusive to anybody that wants to explore themselves through this specific context and to learn more about themselves and to broaden themselves. So on the surface, on the surface, these cards may seem to be very like troublemaking. It can be, it can seem to be very like you know in your face, almost like you mentioned um, Omar do Travieso, like like uh, kick down the door, right? Like scare people. Um, but at the same time, it's got this, uh, it's got this other, other facet to it that's actually really positive. So if I can interject in that, yeah, something that we we need to explain to people when we're. When we're breaking this down, one thing we need to explain to people is, from the get-go, um, this is uh, it's almost like a double-faced game. You know, you're you're trying to express insults at some point through an educational sense, and so the biggest, our biggest war with within ourselves is trying to keep our patience and not be out of pocket when we're trying to explain these things because a lot of these things are topics that nobody wants to hear things that nobody wants to discuss, things that we should be talking about and addressing, and what better way to do it but through a game, right, that you can use as an educational tool that you can reflect on. Like Loteria itself, when you play it, there's a lot of things in it that, like El Negrito, like that throws people off sometimes, but you break it down, like you break it down to a child, people laugh about it. They get, they get, they get past it, but you come to understand, like... You don't refer to people by that. But, the, but I mean? one, of the, one of the things that I, I like what you're saying is that for you to really heal yourself of these things that are ailing who we are as people, you have to confront these things. And these are the norms. And we have to, you have to be challenged by them. And sometimes you have to confront them um, for better or worse. And I, I was just going to interject a little bit because you said um, nobody's called El Negrito. 
unless you're from Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, it's a word of endearment. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's, a multifaceted kind of thing. You know what I mean? It, yes. it, it can come into many contexts. It's a, I call it a multi-universe. It was all these things that we're trying to break down. Like, there's people that embrace being called pocho. I don't. No, I'm sorry. That's not my thing. Like, I don't, I just, I'm Omar. Like, I don't even embrace this idea of, are you Mexican or Latino or Chicano? Like, I, there's too many labels to keep track of. I just am. I just exist. And mm-hmm. I happen to want to be able to convey my message consciously, right, alongside, mm-hmm. alongside, I say alongside with a lot of strength because this this was team effort. El Maldito. And we want, we want to put this out there. We want to push this. We want to, this is our life's work. We yeah. want people to heal themselves. But to do that, you must, you must confront that which, we're we're most afraid to confront which is ourselves and you mentioned that the that the cards bring out bring out certain norms in society yeah right um you know what we have deemed to be norms so but how do these cards challenge that norm it challenges the norm because it it resurfaces the norm it it reminds you that these things are realities. We didn't create these things. We're resurfacing them as artists. We're we're bringing it to your face. But these are these are realities. These are things that exist down the street. These are things that exist on your on your t- television. This exists as far as the the presidential um, presidential elect that's here in this country now. So this this is here regardless of what it is. Um, the norms are 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 something that that we have inevitably to to face. It's what we have to do. So we have to, we, yeah, we, yeah, we absolutely have to fight, you know, or you know, fight these norms. Um, We're going to continue to be bombarded by all these things, these labels, uh, archetypes, stereotypes, stigmas. This isn't, this isn't going away. It's going to continue to evolve into other phases. So, where, when, and where do we capture this, handle it, and try to learn from it? Right. So let's talk about let, let, let's talk because I want to get a little bit more like specific. Um, let, let, let's take let's take one of these cards. That we have here. Go ahead and pull from the deck, my man. Let, let me let me let me see which card because this is a, this is a game of chance, right? It's I mean, a, game a game of chance. Of, uh, it's just like loteria, like a fortune, right? This yeah. will be good. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shuffle these cards up a little bit real quick here, and I'm gonna get me a give me a card. <laughs> and I want to get a card too. <laughs> and these and these cards are things you can reflect on. Each card has like a negative and positive energy to them, so we can delve into that a little bit. Okay, so I just I just I just pulled up a card right now. It's El Frajo. El frajo is actually a slang word. A lot of Chicanos and Mexicanos on the border know of that word. It's just it's a cigarette. But our image is um, satiring American spirits and Marlboro, especially American spirits, because it's a company that likes to use indigenous myst- like mystique. And what we have on on the back of each card is like a dicho, like a, a riddle. And this riddle says, um, the chic exploitation of indigenous mystique spreads an overcasting cloud of corporate smoke. It's all about the um, exploitation of um, indigenous culture through mass marketing. And tobacco is a natural gift passed down from the cultivation of indigenous people. But now it's being exploited as uh, it hinders people. So we're just, like I said, resurfacing that to make you think, to make you to get the wheels turning. Mm-hmm. Well, Daniel, now it's my turn. I pull a card and it says La Caguama. La Caguama. That's, um, La Caguama is actually just translated as a turtle, an, another um, border slang word. But La Caguama is like a, um, a 40 ounce. So it's a big bottle of beer. And on our bottle, this is actually influenced by El, um, El Boracho. And on here, um, the label of the card is uh, La Mexicana. It's 100% Boracho, sin vergüenza. 
And our riddle for this is uh, our debauchery symbolizes the guzzling of our shame as we market our addictions in stereotypical essence. So it's just that constant satire that Mexicanos and Chicanos are drunkards and this is a, a machismo thing. And though that's a reality, for a stereotype to be a reality, there has to be a population of people that exemplify that. But where is the root of that come from? So you talk about challenging things, it's all about questioning. It's all about questioning where does this come from? Is this post-colonial, pre-colonial? Get the wheels turning, dig deeper, look between the lines, look past the images as well. And at the same time, it's connected to Loteria, but we're just broadening it, you know, broadening, um, making a bridge for you to keep walking on. So we play this game just the same way as we play Loteria, right? Yeah. There, there are two ways, essentially, to play it. You play like Loteria, and like you said before earlier in the program, um, there's uh, four rows on, on each tab, four in a row, um, diagonal across. Um, if you win, instead of calling out Loteria, you would call Malditoria, and that's your Chris Chance. But the responsibility when you win, those four cards are a possible reading, and that creates a second way of playing the game. And we're very influenced by things like tarot, Santaria, um, even things like Buddhism, Taoism, Zen, and we create a reading where these four cards represent four specific things in your life. One is your ego, the other is your consciousness, energy, and vitality. And those are four things you have to examine. And each card has a negative and positive energy. And you're pulling these things, and it's more of a social examination of who you are in the present to make um, steps for the future. So wait, so wait, so wait, so wait. So you're saying that, that if I win, mm -hmm. right, and I call out Malditoria, yeah. I, get, I get four in a row, and um, so, so, so. I mean, traditionally, I would win something, right? But what do I, what do I win at, at Malditoria? Why, why is it called the cursed chance? The cursed chance. It's that. It's it's that gamble with, um, with with those ups and downs, those negatives and positives. So you, what you have won is the exploration deeper inside yourself, the exploration of the negatives and positives of who you are, dealing with with those four elements that we were talking about. Um, energy, vitality, ego, and consciousness, and it could be it could be mixed up in various ways. So is that how they? Um, okay, oh, sorry, sorry. Let me backtrack real quick here. Um, I have heard that loteria, the reg regular loteria, has been uh, has been used oftentimes as a, as like a like a tarot tarot reading or like an oracle oracle reading. Um, I, I understand that that similar concept plays um, a role with your 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 version, which is malditoria. Um, so. How does the oracle aspect of these decks come into play? You know, we've talked about the duality of the cards and how one can gain a reading from the throw of the cards of, yeah. the, of the deck. But like, so how, do, how, does, how does, does that exactly work? So if you look at tarot, for example, tarot has like a certain type of uh, esotericism behind it, existentialism behind it. And I think any kind of energy you put into the art, any, all the energy we've put into these cards from the topics, the stories, each piece of art is the card itself there is a specific energy that's put into it. And whether we solidify that or you look deeper into it, that, that is inevitable. So creating like, creating like a tarot reading, creating a malditoria reading is just is putting those cards into something where it just keeps building and building and building to examine what you're going through in the present. And those things naturally have energy in them, and it's as much energy as you want it to have. The oracle aspect of it, I don't look at it so much like that. I don't even look at it so much as a, as a tarot reading specifically. I look at it as a reading of examining who you are in the present, a social examination of the present to broaden yourself for the future. So you get like this, uh, a, a card that can be inherently like pretty, pretty negative. Let's say like, for example, I pulled El Frajo and, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we'd call it the exploitation of uh, indigenous culture. Um, and, 
it's a pretty negative card. So how would I get something positive out of that? So if we look past the, the, the cultural understanding, this deals with obviously the exploitation of indigenous people. But to be indigenous is natural. Look inside your natural self. Don't let your natural um, humanity, your emotions, your energy, you, even your ego itself, um, your consciousness, your spirit get exploited. That is that is like the, the positive affirmation you can be giving yourself. The negative, the, the, the negative aspect of it, it could be that people could be trying to strip those things from you. People are trying to um, cast their own illusions on top of you and exploit your naturalness. So it's, it's all about flipping things. If you have this negative aspect of it, of, of exploitation, how can exploitation teach you something? How can it be positive? There's always a positive out of the negative, a negative out of the positive. And that's something that Fraco has the energy behind. So do you need to have somebody train to read? So, the, Or how who, anybody can tell you what is going to be, you know, your oracle or... How, so, aspect of the so when you get um, a copy of Malitoria, it comes with a, a, a pack of 10 tablets, a deck of cards, and it comes with a booklet, similar to if you get a, a tarot deck, you get a booklet, and it breaks down all the energies of the cards, it breaks down the historical and cultural properties of it, and it basically teaches you how to play and how to read cards for yourself and how to become a reader for other people. So um, I, I read for myself every day, and I use, I use our booklet, I use um, the things that we've created, and I expand on top of it, just like anybody who would read cards um, has puts their own intuition inside of it, their own understanding of these cards and looking deeper inside of it. And a lot of times when I read for people, um, it's a collaboration. We're, we're constantly looking at these cards together. We're asking questions. We're, we're, we're looking at the negative aspect and we're creating positive affirmations from it. Whether we draw one card, four cards, or we look at all 54 cards. But the booklet definitely breaks that down. Anyone can do this. There is no specialty behind it. As much energy you put into it, um, you're going to get something out of it. Well, I, and I have uh, my last question, at least on my side. Mm -hmm. um, since I already mentioned I use it with my students, mm -hmm. uh, is it appropriate to use it with young students? Or oh, what's the age group? Uh, young, six to seven years old. So I work with a fifth grade class in West Oakland, and we have um, I've I've actually stripped this deck down and took taken out some of the things that are vulgar, um, too vulgar for them. And we've analyzed these things. We've learned a lot about the historical understanding of it, and also the universal context of it. Um, to that age group, it just depends on who's facilitating it. It's all about the progression of the adult and the person manifesting it. But for me and, and Omar, our goal is to be able to take this into middle schools, into high schools, um, not just, just for adults. This is an adult game per se, but it's a universal game. It just depends on who's facilitating it. And if you take our booklet, you take our, our parameters and you expand on it, that's when it gets interesting. So I, th I think it can work for anybody. It just depends on the parent and the teacher like yourself. Mm. You know, so I, I know that there's a... Um there's a story within each card. There's a story within each um, uh, the, the the card readings, the tarot readings. Yeah. But when we're looking at this whole story of Malditoria from the card number one to card number 50 or 45 or whatever. 54. 54. 54. <laughs> um, what's the story? What's the beginning? What's the end? So the beginning is um, El Corazón Malo, the bad heart. And you have to examine your 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 soul your spirit right now in the present this could be messed up by stressors whatever is ailing you everything else between is all the stereotypes and the symbols and, and the ups and downs the solidarity the unity the lack of unity in the end we're trying to get to vrasa not vrasa as far as just a racial context but vrasa as the human race the human experience but before you get there you have to analyze all these different things because if you don't then you're you're not you're not you're not undertaking your responsibilities it's a responsibility to be human and to state you're human but before you do that you have to heal your heart 
and you have to be able to look at all the things that are ailing it to get to Vrasa. It's, 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 it's a long journey, but it's a fun journey. Oh, Omar y Daniel, um, thank you for your explanation. And now that you're telling the whole story of Malditoria, um, it seems like it's so on time. It's so appropriate for this time right now because there's a lot of things that are happening that is going to affect our communities, the community of scholars. And this uh, this can help with healing some of the stress that our communities are feeling, some of the fears, and also understand yourself. Yes. Hmm. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for developing this, this game and, and, and to doing all that. Este, um, I do I do want to let you know uh, we do do we do have to wrap this up a little bit. Okay. But um, definitely looking forward to the future here. What kind of ways can we contact you? So you can follow uh, Malidoria on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in um, M-A-L-D-I-T-O-R-I-A. We are also wrapping up um, a GoFund campaign, which um, give a shout out to all of our donors, uh, Los Espiritus, uh, Magnus, El Frijolito, El Bendito, um, all the people that have uh, supported us, my mother, my father, all the close family members. And you can find our GoFund campaign at www.gofundme.com slash M-A-L-D-I-T-O-R-I-A. Maldito Entravieso, muchas gracias por estar aquí con nosotros. Thank you so much. Thank you. Este, the First Voice Apprenticeship Program is currently accepting applications to join Group 43. The deadline has been extended, so this program has been running strong since 1984. You are welcome to submit your application right away. This brings us to the end of tonight's show. Our executive producer, Ms. M, technical director, Free Will and Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. And at the controls, we have Timeless Teresa. And... Uh, I've been your guest, David de la Gran. And Sylvia de Torres. Stay tuned for La Onda Bajita.